Good morning. It's good to be with you all today. Uh, it's a nice, uh, cool autumn Sunday morning in October. So good to be with you. Uh, in case you are wondering, several of our residents who normally use our hearing aid devices, uh, they are currently locked in that room and I can't get to them. So I looked at multiple spare keys that have no labels on them in my desk and thought maybe I have the key, but I don't. So I'm sorry, but I will work on getting a spare key from our facilities team and we'll get in there, but otherwise we should be good to go. It's good to be with you all today. It's so good to celebrate and worship together. I want to also invite you to join me in welcoming back Roger and his wife Carol. So good to have you both back with us again today. We're going to begin our service with our first hymn, All Creatures of Our God and King. Okay. I'll play a little start and then we'll start over again, okay?
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you and praise your name. You have been a refuge for the poor, a refuge for the needy in their distress. You are a shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat. Lord of the feast, you have prepared a table before all peoples and poured out your life with abundance. Call us again to your banquet. Strengthen us by what is honorable, just, and pure, and transform us into a people of righteousness and peace through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. And now for our first reading of Scripture. The first reading is from Isaiah chapter 25, verses 1 through 9. O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name. For you have done wonderful things, plans formed of old, faithful, and sure. For you have made the city a heap, a fortified city of ruin. The palace of aliens is a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. Therefore, strong peoples will glorify you. Cities and ruthless nations will fear you. For you have been a refuge to the poor, a refuge to the needy in their distress, a shelter from the rainstorm and a shade from the heat. When the blast of the ruthless was like a winter rainstorm, the noise of aliens like heat in a dry place, you subdued the heat with the shade of clouds. The song of the ruthless was still. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-matured wine, of rich food filled with milk, of well-matured wine strained clear. And he will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all peoples, the sheep that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. Then the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces. The disgrace of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him so that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. The word of our Lord. Our lectionary psalm for today is Psalm 23, and we'll be reading it responsibly. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters, he restores my soul. He leads me in my paths for his name's sake. 
Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. For you are with me, your God and your You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And now we'll be singing a hymn that walks us through the 23rd Psalm. comes from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. I urge Euodia and I urge Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you also, my loyal companion, help these women. For they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the Book of Life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, 
whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. The word of our Lord. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Once more Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it, and went away, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, maltreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad, so the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe, and he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. And the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Christ. When we think of celebrations or holidays, we can recall the festive decorations, or the songs, or the gifts exchanged, and much, much more. But really, when you think about the bigger celebrations, things like birthdays and Thanksgiving, Christmas and Easter, and many other celebrations, there's one common denominator that unites all of these wondrous gatherings. Food! Right? I can recall the joy of pancakes on Christmas morning, followed by ham and potatoes and green bean casserole later that same day. I can recall the smell of sweet potatoes and oven-roasted turkey on Thanksgiving, followed closely by the delectable pumpkin pie, or hot dogs and hamburgers on Fourth of July, and much, much more. I can recall the sweet flavor explosion of birthday cakes with sprinkles. And yes, I did just make up a word, flavor explosion. <laughs> but it's the only way I could think to communicate the idea of what happens in our mouth when we eat really good food. So if you decide later today you want to use the word flavor explosion, you have my permission. <laughs> you see, food is at the heart of many of our celebrations and festive gatherings. To feast is to sit down and to be together around a table. 
To feast is to share together in using our most intimate of the five senses, taste. You can't taste anything without putting it into your body, so it's a very intimate sense. And here's where we experience the joy of delicious food and refreshing beverages. Celebration without food just isn't celebration, or at least not to the degree that it could be. Our lectionary text from the Old Testament book of Isaiah carries a wonderfully vivid picture of a feast. The Gospel text also referenced a wedding banquet, another festivity that requires food. But today I'm going to focus on how Isaiah describes this vision that the Lord has given him to carry out and give to the people. In verse 6, Isaiah writes, On this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines strained clear. Some people may ask, which mountain is Isaiah referring to? What is the significance of having a meal on a mountain? For Isaiah, the mountain was likely Mount Zion, the high place upon which Jerusalem sits today, But mountains in general held a special significance for the narrative of the Bible. Moses received God's law on a mountain. Elijah challenges the prophets of Baal on a mountain, and then later encounters God in silence after an earthquake, fire, and wind, all on a mountain. Jesus is crucified on a mountain. So mountains are special places. The power of this verse goes way beyond the context of where the meal takes place because Isaiah describes a meal which is provided by God's own hand, which feeds all people. Wow! A grand feast of the best food and drink that you could ever imagine, a divine flavor explosion, And the guests at this table are all peoples. That means on this mountain, around this table, there will be people speaking Hindi, French, Mandarin, and Greek, and you name it. There will be people wearing colors and clothes from all over the world. There will be people from every country and every culture. What a beautiful picture, right? If we aren't careful, we could blast past this short little phrase, for all peoples, but to bring together all peoples for a feast on a mountain, no less, that is a powerful image. This is especially poignant as we recognize how war has torn our world apart, even today. The continued war in Ukraine, the new fighting taking place in Israel and Gaza, There are other violent conflicts elsewhere in the world as well. In addition to this meal theme, we find in our lectionary psalm, Psalm 23, this line that reads, You set a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's a powerful line. Human history is filled with examples of people fighting, wars that tear nations apart, and violence that leaves entire generations scarred by loss and grief and tragedy. But contained in this prophetic vision is a hope. 
God aims to bring reconciliation where there is violence and conflict. People inclined toward hatred and rage for each other, and for many reasons, God paints a different picture. The picture of what he's telling his prophet Isaiah. God brings people together. God aims toward creating peace and mutual love and respect between nations and cultures. That's a beautiful picture. We know the world is torn in many different ways by conflicts that burn like fire. And we're given a vision here of a shared meal where everyone sits on a mountain and feasts together. I don't know about you, but I have been brought to tears at times watching the destruction of buildings in Ukraine, the fear and terror of people being caught in the crossfire in Israel and Gaza. I pray for peace. I pray for the peace that's described in this vision. A peace where all people sit down and eat together. Where there's nothing but laughter and joy and kindness and generosity. I hope for that. And sometimes I wonder, how long, O Lord? How long will we keep fighting, harming, killing each other? Please, bring this peace. Bring this peace to hearts across the globe. And then, as if such a wondrous meal isn't already amazing and beautiful as it is, Isaiah goes on to describe something more. In verse 7, Isaiah says, And he will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all peoples, the sheet that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. Isaiah's words in this verse paint a picture of conflict between God and the forces that cover people in darkness. This shroud, this imagery of a shroud or a, or a covering over people, it reflects all the evils that we know and we experience. The darkness, I and mean, that's what a shroud does, it cuts out the light. Things like war, famine, poverty, injustice, hatred, violence, and the list goes on and on. Those are the things that cover us in a shroud. God is the source of all good and beauty and truth, and God does not ignore evil, darkness, or injustice. God confronts them. And I'm overcome with joy when I imagine the feast in verse 6, and then I read verse 7, And it starts to bring tears to my eyes when it says this phrase, God will swallow up death forever. Let me repeat that, because it's worth repeating. God will swallow up death forever. What does that mean? It means that the worst and last and darkest enemy to be part of that shroud, will no longer have power over any of us. We won't live in fear or anxiety when it comes to death because we know that we have a hope that is eternal. We know that we have a hope for unfading, eternal life with God in light. We have a hope that transcends the darkness. That's a powerful hope. We cling to the light of images like this one where God speaks through Isaiah, reveals a future that is bright, and it's overflowing with peace. Peace and wholeness. So when you find yourselves discouraged, 
by what you read in the newspaper or what you see on the news. Remember this. Violence, evil, war, injustice, and every other form of darkness, they don't get the final word. God does. And God's final word is peace. Now, if you thought verses 6 and 7 were beautiful and powerful, pull out the Kleenex boxes, because verse 8 has me on the happy crying train continuing. In verse 8, Isaiah writes, Then the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces, and the disgrace of his people will be taken away from the earth, for the Lord has spoken. No more tears? No more tears. Tears are the penultimate image of grief, of sadness, of despair, of hopelessness. There are, of course, tears for other reasons. We have tears sometimes when we're so happy we can't help it. Tears of joy, right? But tears show up in the depths of our sadness and in the depths of our loss and in our grief around the evil and darkness that we experience. It's as if the eyes, parts of our body, can't help but release emotion whether it's tremendous sorrow or elation and joy. But God, wiping away our tears, means we will no longer have a reason to grieve. There will no longer be loss or pain or sorrow. God, wiping away our tears, means we no longer happy cry tears because the source of joy is right in front of us all the time. God wipes away our tears, and he doesn't just wipe away ours. It says God will wipe away tears from all faces. All faces. Okay, it's been a bit of a roller coaster, so take a pause with me and take a deep breath. Sit up in your chair. Big inhale through the nose. Exhale through the mouth. I don't know about you, but after walking through these three verses, I need a nap. Meals. Meals where enemies become friends. Death is swallowed up forever, and there are no more tears on faces. The only proper response to this is amen. Amen? Amen. We can clearly see that Isaiah is relaying a message of hope and future joy to God's people. We read it through the lens of Jesus as followers of Jesus and seeing it through the New Testament. We see how Jesus sets the table of reconciliation before us. He swallows up death on the cross and he will be the one to wipe away our tears. We have hope, brothers and sisters. We have hope and it is not a small hope. It's a big one. Our hope in this vision is the foundation for our faith. So as you enter this new week, fully aware of the pain and the sorrow and the grief all around the world, as well as closer to home, the smaller things, the things that overwhelm us, the things that we experience here in our community, we together can cling to this vision for the hope that God provides you and me through it. It turns out there's a lot of overlap, or this is at least my pet theory, there's a lot of overlap between prophecy and poetry. While writing my sermon this week, I was right in the middle of writing it, and a colleague, another chaplain, 
sent me an email with a poem in it that seemed like the absolute perfect way to finish my sermon. And I was typing away, and I saw the email notification, I opened it, and there was this poem. A poem that I think is a fitting close to the message. This poem is titled, The Peace of Wild Things, by Wendell Berry. When despair for the world grows in me, and I wake in the night at the least sound, in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and I lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water, and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things, who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water, and I feel above me the day-blind stars waiting for the light. For a time I rest in the grace of the world, and I am free. Amen. Amen. We're going to continue our service with our next hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. The next hymn is on country blessings, and I must say that we have to, my wife and I have to count blessings from you because we're here and you have helped with your prayers and concerns. You have helped her get better. Thank you.
I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now we will receive our offering. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God, all creatures here below. Praise Him, all the heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Amazing God, we give thanks for the amazing plans so faithfully carried out long ago. We join with you in the joy of giving. You give us life and breath, our hands with bounty, and our hearts with the desire to give. As we thank and praise your name, accept these gifts and ourselves in your service. Amen. As we come to our weekly time of prayers for the congregation, I'd like to remind us that this space of prayer within our service of worship can be for a variety of different things. So for one, if you're coming this morning and you have a concern, a prayer request related to something you yourself are going through, or maybe it's a friend, family member, or neighbor, someone you care about who you're praying for, we want to pray for those things. In addition to those issues that are right there and direct in our lives, many of us are mindful of bigger issues that face our whole world. Some of them the wars and conflicts that I mentioned earlier, but there are many others as well. And so if there is something that's weighing heavy on your heart today that you would like us to pray for, I invite you to raise your hand at this time so we can pray for those. Please join me in prayer. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for your love, for your grace, for your power. We thank you that you are present. You are not distant and far away. You never sleep. We don't have to wake you up to get your attention. You are right here with us right now. You are with us every moment of every day. You watch over us when we sleep. We thank you, Lord, for your active presence in our lives. And Lord, there are many of us here who come carrying heavy burdens. For those of us who raised our hands, Lord, there are prayer requests related to our own health, our own well-being, our own life journey. There are concerns related to friends and family members, neighbors, people we know and care about. For others of us, Lord, there are prayer concerns related to the big issues that face our world People in countries recovering from natural disasters, wars and conflicts and violence, political unrest, 
an injustice and evil that goes throughout many places. And so, Lord, we lift up all these things to you. We thank you that we have the promise you hear every one of our prayers. And so we lay them before you, Lord. We entrust them to your care. We pray that you would meet the needs represented by our prayer requests, that you bring healing and hope, peace and reconciliation, joy. Lord, we thank you that you are with us today, that you've heard our prayers, that you continue to hear us every time we pray. And we will entrust these to you and ask that you give us faith. Give us faith, Lord, to trust you with these needs. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. And together, praying the prayer Jesus, Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And our last hymn, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. And as we close our time together, you're all invited to join us in the plum room for food and fellowship after the service.